people of the world, hello and welcome to the Brothers Talk with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm, where our purpose is a simple one. Tune into our weekly podcast each Friday, wherever you listen to your favorite programs or on this website to hear us, three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice as the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. To reach us with your comments, questions, and suggestions, we're at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, the Facebook group of the same name, and if you care to share in more detail, hit us up at the email address, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. Also, stay tuned for details about our upcoming news and perspective show on Millennium TV's M24 streaming news station. Happy New Year and welcome to this week's edition of the Brothers Talk podcast, our first of 2021. And as always, we continue to appreciate you for all the love, your time, your feedback, and for continuing to spread the word about how the show and our mission is to keep the emphasis on Black economic empowerment. The pandemic continues wrecking our communities, both health and business-wise, and there are plenty of other ethnic groups that aren't being impacted the way ours are, so we have to do our part to support each other and to stay focused on social distancing, focus on making sure that when our turn comes to take the vaccine, that we do our homework, but then we do need to step up and take it because we can't afford to continue to lose people the way we are losing them. We are losing 60% of those who are dying from COVID continue to be people who look like us. So we cannot allow that to continue. We also want to remind you that you can get a copy of our 12-point plan for relaunching Black Wall Street nationwide by emailing us thebrotherstalk at gmail.com because we want you to focus on purchasing from Black businesses because it not only keeps Black businesses solvent, but Black businesses employ Black people. And that means you're spending your money with Black businesses and that's investing in your own communities and in our future. So if you're on Facebook as well, check out Black businesses in our groups with some 4,000 members, hashtag Black Dollars Matter and relaunching Black Wall Street nationwide or you can converse with us in the Brothers Talk group. So let's do this and make sure we buy black, folks. Scott, Norm? Hey, family. I hope that you all had an amazing Christmas and New Year's holiday season. Stay safe. Be careful. Be cautious. And help is on the way. We'll just wait and see. My people, black on black love, let's practice that. Let's find out what that really means, because now more than ever, we need each other. For this, our first show of 2021, we want to keep the pedal to the metal on racism because all the vaccine and Biden-Harris talk and all the talk about 45 leaving office has taken our eyes off the ball. We had a great opportunity back during the summer and during the fall where all the world's eyes were on Black Lives Matter and the awful conditions of what has been continuous discrimination for 401 years in this country. We are a country with a short attention span. And so it's easy when you get too many different issues out there for us to lose track of that specific issue, which is still the real cancer in this country. So a reminder of just how pervasive it is, including the internal versions of racism, because we really want to do this to help folks because we need to be able to remind them that you have to consider more than one issue at a time. 
So the first thing I was looking at is that this is the time of year where you hear a lot of the best of lists. And these are lists that cross the spectrums from music, you know, albums, songs, uh, songwriters talk about books of the year and movies and even things like cooking shows and inventions. And these best of lists basically ignore the contributions of people of color because the lists themselves are effectively written for, by, and listed by white people. And so that's what you end up having as very little emphasis to find out what kind of contributions are being made in other cultures. And obviously we're more concerned about what happens in black culture, but this is a widespread kind of problem. Yeah, Rod, it's uh, just listening to you list all of the things that the best of, and it's obvious that they're not, I don't know what criteria they're using, but if they were using the criteria that we look at in terms of, when you look at some of these cooking shows, all of that originated from black folks and particularly Southern cooking. And now all of a sudden, black folks can't cook anymore. Everybody seemed to be able to cook. You know, everybody seemed to have the best recipes and the best show shows itself for black folks. Just amazing. Yeah, just racism and racial appropriation of a black culture. It's just continuing right in front of in our face. Yeah. And, and how do we how do we fight that? How do we deal with that? That's the question. You know, we need our own. We need our own mass communication. We need our own magazines. We need our own television stations. We need our own shows. And we need to create our own lists. We cannot continue to depend on the popular culture, which is basically, as you gentlemen just said, they're stealing our culture and, and selling it to the world. We need to take ownership of it and keep this in our house. Yeah, and that's yeah. why we keep saying relaunching Black Wall Street, because there was a time when we did have our own and we did make sure that we supported our own and we provided for our own. But once we became assimilated into and integrated into the dominant culture, we became a watered down place where, as you said, Scott, cultural appropriation continues right unabated to this day. And so then more other areas on racism, there were two horrible stories about two black female doctors who were both dead. One died from COVID, where she described literally her experiences on Facebook as being treated like a crack addict, even though she was a doctor. And she tried to tell them what her symptoms were and that she needed pain medication. And she was summarily dismissed and sent home and died within a matter of days. And the other was a Black female physician who died after childbirth because she had a condition that would have been imminently preventable if the doctors there had done their job or giving her the type of prenatal care to look for this condition, which they know is prevalent in Black people and is easily curable. So those kinds of situations just go to show you the widespread systemic structural racism that exists, that here are two people who are in what may arguably be considered the top occupations in any community, two medical doctors, and yet they both face the kind of racism that led to them losing their lives. Yeah, Rod, I saw those articles also. And I, well, I was shocked, but then again, I wasn't because I, when I worked for CDC, I worked on a, a survey called the Infant Mortality, Mortality Survey, Maternal and Infant Health Survey. And what they did was they followed mothers 
who got pregnant. They followed the mother and the kid for two years. And they looked at the health outcome, the outcome of the baby, you know, whether they had a low birth weight baby and all of that. And they found out that black mothers, it didn't matter what, what the their profession was. And they particularly talked about women who were doctors. And they had the same outcome as black women who didn't go teenage um, uh, mothers who didn't graduate high school. They had the same kind of outcome. And it was partly because when they had that baby, they were pressured to come back to work early. They were pressured while they was pregnant to work longer. Just to stress all those stressors that they were getting that white women and non-black women, they don't get. These women were getting and they were having the same kind of outcome, low birth weight babies. Uh, the infant mortality rate was the same as, like I said, black women who didn't graduate high school. Look at Serena Williams. Literally, she, with all of her millions, she suffered the same fate, pretty much. And Beyonce. Not only that, I'm going to say one more thing, Roy. There was that this study that Hopkins and, I think it was, I can't think of it. I can't think of the other teaching hospital did this study where they had patients come in, they had actors come in, and they all had the same symptoms. And they were recording it. And the doctors would prescribe the white patient a different form of treatment. They would order different tests, more tests, send them to a specialist. But when the black actors came in describing the same the same symptoms, everything, they just basically told them to go home. And when they showed them the tapes and showed them the disparities, they were saying they weren't aware that they were doing that. And it happened in every single case. It happened. So we've been we're getting prescribed different treatment than everybody else with the same condition, the same problems, same health problems. We're getting prescribed different kind of treatment. And so we saw that as basically just amplifying what Dr. Walter Palmer shared with us on a couple of uh, shows back. And so, you know, it's just abhorrent that that's kind of treatment that's going on now. And for those who want to still try to push this notion of the post-racial society, which is certainly going to come back screaming to the front now that Kamala Harris is the vice president-elect. So we have to make sure that we don't let that narrative resurface its its, uh, ugly head there. And so another thing is this business about hearing people say, on some of these broadcasts when they talk to these racist and not just the white nationalists or the white supremacists, but, you know, you heard it from 45 himself and there was some 73 million people who voted for him. So they have those same kind of beliefs about telling people to go back where they came from. And so that always just incenses me because one, we know that us as African-Americans, we were brought here. So there was no coming here like they came running from different kinds of whatever they call the persecution or but a lot of them were just simply looking for better opportunities so the only people who have the right to ever say something about go back where you came from to anybody is the natives of this country should be able to say that to the europeans because those are the people who actually came here so it bothers me too often to hear that being said by these people who want to try to claim as though America was a European colony in the first place. You know, Rod, that bothers me. What bothers me even more is the fact that the people who are telling other folks to go back to where they came from are the ones who feel like the laws and the Constitution don't apply to them. So this, th- these very people think that they can break the law, 
They don't have to follow the Constitution. And no one calls them out on it. No one says to them, hey, if you don't like our laws, you don't like the Constitution, you lead the country. No one says that to them. And they continuously continuously tell other folks to lead the country if you don't like it here. And apparently they don't like it here. Well, that's the colonizer mind. You know, they, they really believe that this is theirs and they somehow earn this. But that's their privilege speaking. And once you get beyond that, they're really nothing. And that's all they can say. Because they've done nothing. Our people built this country from the bottom up. They came here with nothing and had every opportunity. And they feel that they're beyond our struggle. And they don't want to acknowledge that. They don't want to acknowledge what we've been through in this country, what we continue to go through. And that's why they feel they can tell us to go home when we are home. They're the ones from Europe. Right. And we've got to also stop allowing the narrative about Hispanics being the largest ethnic group when all they really share is a language. Now, that makes them as much of an ethnic group as people who speak English. Dark complexion folks who speak Spanish will be treated the same way as every other African-American in how they're discriminated against and how they are jailed and killed by the police. So we have to stop that narrative because it is really a plot to effectively undermine the strength of us as the largest minority. We also need to question the count because if this census that they just conducted doesn't come back and show a sizable increase in the number of African-Americans, then there's something really wrong with that as well. We know they've always undercounted us for things like congressional districts and whatnot, but I think it goes further than that, especially now when they recognize what our voting power was able to do in terms of turning the table on this latest election. So we need to be fully aware that we don't need to allow them to push us down to say we're the third largest minority. When when you look at what they call Hispanics, it's literally a rainbow effect of people who speak Spanish who look white, right, to people who look like Africans. And so we need to stop that narrative from, from taking hold. You're right, Rod. You're talking about a group. They're, they're treating Hispanics like they're a homogeneous group, and they're not by no stretch of their imagination. You know, their, their interests are different. You know, their cultures are different. But yet they get lumped in so that they can come, they can be the largest minority group so that can diminish blacks being the largest group. One of the things that I saw today on, I was flipping channels, and I think it may have been on C-SPAN, and it was about the Southern Baptist Conference, where there are some black ministers that represent churches that, that are members of that conference. They're pissed off because the leaders of the Southern, uh, Southern Baptist Conference, they're basically following the policies and listening to the policy of 45, saying that there is no systemic racism in this country. And so those folks are protesting. And I was like, wow, you know, I was wondering whether anybody was going to say anything about these religious groups. But for the Club and Baptist Conference, it's going to be interesting because you have a lot of black churches, denominations that's a member of that conference. And it's going to be interesting whether they continue to support that or they split off. Well, you know, I don't even know how how to respond to that. But again, our churches, and especially those that are are members of that conference, should basically just splinter splinter off. Why would they even acknowledge 
one of the things too is there was a there was a pastor Ralph West of a major church in Texas that that's how it really came to the front because he left yeah. the Southern Baptist Association and so yeah. you are having like a lot of black churches that are now raising the issue and one of the things I raised with a whole bunch of preachers on in one of the groups online called Preachers Corner is why did it take this long for this to come up as an issue when they knew that people like right. Franklin Graham and, and Jerry Falwell and company had been racist all along. So, you know, it's just, again, kind of like coming late to the fire. While I applaud them for having the courage to finally decide to step away, it should have been done a long time ago. And so the other issue that we have to really be focused on is why are there so many of us who were willing to defend even blatant racism? You know, it's bad enough for those who haven't taken the time to think it through, you know, some of the more subtle forms that may get by them, but there's too many of the skin folk that ain't kin folk, as Angela Rye said, who are going out of their way to defend obvious racism and not just the crying Van Jones on TV, but some regular folks that you know. You know, we have these conversations where we've got our own folks who look like us, who are trying to create this false equivalency of thinking that things are really better than they appear to be or that they really are improving. And they look for every opportunity to have this positive spin on things that really is just a flat lie. Yeah, we get a lot of that, you know, even from the sports like we were talking about earlier today, where guys are defending the salaries of non-performing white quarterbacks like Kirk Curzon and, and saying that, you know, they're, they've earned their money. And when you got quarterbacks like Russell Wilson, Pat Mahomes, and the list can go on, not just quarterbacks, but players who earned their money, who've been to Super Bowls, who won Super Bowls. But like you said, these uh, skin folks, for some reason, they have blinders on. I don't know whether they're self-hating when they do that. I don't know whether they just, I, I just don't want to be black. And I'm hoping that people accept me if I go mm -hmm. against my own race. And it may be some of that's going on. But when you look at, just look at facts, it just doesn't make any sense when they're trying to defend that kind of thing. You know, it's more about appeasing massa. It's how I see it. I mean, if you don't have enough self-love to defend and stand up for your people, that's the only alternative. That's the only answer. Basically, what they're doing, and Malcolm said it, they're, they're willing to get their head rubbed to feel good about themselves. And so, you know, we, we have those folks out there who obviously, I mean, they want things to be better. They believe and feel like, I guess, that they, they can wish it away. And so that's why we can't let them get away any more than we let the white folks that we know get away with asking us what they can do about racism. You know, racism is directed at us, but it's their problem to solve because racism is about power and control. And no more our ability to prevent racism than asking a child abuse victim to stop the abuser. And when we allow that kind of conversation to take place, it goes on every time. You can watch it on TV incessantly. And if you have conversations with your white friends, they'll usually turn around and ask you things like, what can I do to help? No, that's the wrong question. The question they should really be asking you, how can you help them? 
to to eradicate racism because we all know it's about the power and control and why a black person might be able to have racist thoughts a black person might be able to discriminate in a small circle but the ultimate idea of power and control being directed at a group like us as it has been for 401 years is never going to be within our ability to eradicate it. And it will never go away until those same white folks who are asking what can they do to help us will make the decision that they want racism to go away. Yeah, it's a a head scratcher, man. It it really is that people want to want black folks to be responsible for solving all the issues when it comes to race and racism. You know, I had a friend that I thought was a friend. It was a business owner. And I just I just couldn't do it no more. I mean, I just just kind of cut him out of my circle because he was I don't care what the issue was. He was blaming black folks for it. everything was these these N words. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. And these N words, this and these N words. And I'm like, hold up, man. Wait a minute. You know, what about institutionalized racism? He just didn't believe in it. He just thought that, you know, black folks, we're in this condition because of our behaviors. If we just did what they told us to do, that kind of nonsense. I was like, you know what? I I can't do this no more. It was just, I just, I just stopped communicating with him. And, and it's a head scratch when you have people talking like that. And you know them, you're right. It sounds like they want a pat on the head and, and want Master to give them a banana, give them a banana for doing monkey tricks or something. You know, like, like, hey, look what I said, Master. I said something really negative about black folks. It's not your fault. It's our fault. You know, that kind of thing. It's, it's a lot of head scratching. I have a lot of head scratching going on here about some of the behaviors of black folks who are skin folks. Yeah, you, unfortunately, you see a lot of that in the media. You know, it is very profitable to uh, d- defend white supremacy, you know, and, and racist in this country. You know, you can always earn a living doing that. And uh, unfortunately, you see our people attack our people for profit. It really is an unfortunate reality, but we're going to continue to be on the case and we will continue to keep up the good fight. And we want you to stay involved with us and we will do our best to keep your mentality occupied and focused on these issues because they're too important for us to ignore. For our positive Black business experience of the week, want to give you an update on my experience with Goodway Bakery. And this week I am actually naming them. It's the Goodway Bakery in New York, because as I mentioned to you in the previous episode about a story where I ordered from them and because of the postal service delays, I did not receive the product within the one to three days they had on their website. So I sent them just a little simple email saying I understood that it wasn't their fault because of things like the postmaster general that 45 put in there and he laid off a lot of people and cut back over time. So I acknowledge that and just gave them a little heads up that they might want to update their shipping information. And they did it. They actually sent out a new mailer to their customers saying that the delays were there because of the postal service. And so I have to give them a great deal of credit for that kind of customer service, not being offended by the fact that I've mentioned it to them. And they even got back to me saying that they were going to replace my order because of the delay on the uh, postal service side. So it wasn't their fault, 
but that is the kind of service that you want to see black businesses. You really want to see any business, but of course our focus here is black businesses. So I really want to commend them. That's Good Way Bakery. So you can look them up online and hopefully you will help them out and perhaps we'll even have them as a guest on a future episode. So that's it for another edition. This is our 50th episode of the Brothers Talk. So we are into the new year. We want to say again, Happy New Year. And we hope that you will have a prosperous, healthy, great new year going forward. So please remember you can follow us at the Brothers Talk on Twitter, the Brothers Talk on Instagram, and the Facebook group of the same name. And as we said earlier, if you want a copy of our 12 principles for relaunching Black Wall Street nationwide, you can reach us, the Brothers Talk at gmail.com. So remember to take care of each other, stay safe, much love, our continued gratitude. And remember, let's do better today because that's all we really have.